I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Did you guys know that Woodtalk has a YouTube channel? Yeah, we didn't either until Margaret reminded us. About four to five years ago, we would record the show live on YouTube and those episodes stayed there for tens of people to enjoy. But we stopped doing live shows and the YouTube version went away with it. Well, now it's time for a little experiment. As something of a test, we're going to post an enhanced version of the podcast to YouTube. Meaning not only do you get to see our faces, you also get to see some images and other visual aids that are relevant to the things we're talking about. Look guys, I understand your apprehension about looking at Matt and Shannon too long. I mean, ugh. But that's why we're adding other things, so that there's more to look at, and hopefully that'll make it worth your while to watch instead of just listening. We'll keep the whole Matt and Shannon tough-to-look-at thing to ourselves, okay? Now, I'm going to be honest. We're going to look at the view count and engagement and see if this is really worth our time to do this. So if you even think you want this to happen and you want it to continue, you need to head on over and watch it and just let us know. Otherwise, we're going to assume that this was a dumb idea and Margaret will be sad. You don't want to make Margaret sad, do you? Anyway, just search for Wood Talk on YouTube or go directly to youtube.com slash woodtalk. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who might stop by to ask for a cup of slab. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. Well, what's up, everybody? It's episode 543. And on today's show, we're talking about Rubio and the fantastic finishing fallacy... Scrub planes <laughs> and bought a bandsaw mill. Now what? But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before January 31st at rockler.com slash Wood Talk. And if you want to help support the show, you can you can do so by going to patreon.com slash woodtalk and signing up to become a patron of the show. This time we're thanking Thomas Holmes, Manuel, and Crystal, Joel, Balestra, and Hand Screwed. Yeah. As opposed to other ways of being screwed. That's true. There are other ways. I just want to make sure all all these people were concerned that with your newfound vision 
that you wouldn't you wouldn't actually mispronounce names anymore. Is that how that and, works? Uh, I'm, I'm glad to say you still put extra letters in there that weren't there. So I, everything's I'm still fine. the same Matt, you know? <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. Still the same guy. Okay, hey, hey guys, I had really important breaking news here. What is this? I just got to <laughs> let you know. Adria wrote in to let us know that she just finished all of her Wood Talk Benjamin Button reverse playthrough. <laughs> she started on April. Let's see. She started in April. She finished at 4 p.m. on December 13th. <laughs> that's a commitment. <laughs> uh, yeah, she did a great job, right? I mean, that's 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 she did a great job. That's <laughs> fantastic. Job. She, she made it. That, that makes it so a she, good job. She emailed us. I figured it was an important thing to update people on. <laughs> Actually, you know, un- maybe we should do that instead of reading people's names for Patreon supporters. People who listen to the whole catalog Oops, hit the button again. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a big deal. That's serious commitment to to do, especially I if can, this. I can mispronounce your names in two different ways, yeah. either as a patron or as a listen to every episode person. Right at this stage of the game, that's that's a hell of a commitment. Five hundred and what are we on? Forty three? Yeah, five forty three. That's a lot of episodes. Um, so another piece of breaking news, you guys may have already known about this, but the new Yankee workshop now has its own YouTube channel. So instead of these ding dongs that just like take a recording (laughs) and upload it, and that's now the version that everyone gets to watch. Uh, these are officially sanctioned new Yankee workshop episodes. As far as I understand it, they're putting the whole catalog up there. And just yesterday I got a notification that, um, Russ Mirage, the producer of the show, uh, just did a quick shop tour. In, inside the shop, and it was the coolest thing. He's just walking around. You could tell he kind of sort of uses the space still uh, to some extent. I don't know to what extent, but he's obviously, everything's clean. It kind of was like frozen in time for like the last episode that was done in that shop. Um, it's yeah, that was my thing. question. Um, I saw your your Instagram uh, story, and I was just looking at it, and yeah. I was like, has anybody used that? Like, it, it's almost <laughs> like, it's, it's like when I go to like Cracker Barrel and I see hand planes tacked to the wall. It's like such a shame. You yeah, know, that's a yeah. nice saw above, above me there. I just wonder, like, is this just this gorgeous shop? Granted, it's <laughs> what, 10 years old? Gosh, no, it's older than that. How old? How long ago did the show go off the air? 2008. 20? Okay. It wasn't that long ago. Oh, wow. Still. Like 15 years. This yeah, millennium. It's anyway. a substantial amount of time. So is it just, has somebody just been showing up and dusting it like once a week? Yeah, because I mean, it looks it looks clean, like it doesn't look like it hasn't been kept, but it also hasn't changed very much. And there was, I think, like a giant fake plant in there. Did you see that, too? (laughs) Like when you first walk in. So I'm sure it's like, you know, I don't know how much the guy does woodworking, but I think he probably goes in there and, you know, does some things. But it was just it was weird just to see it kind of encapsulated in time. Um, I'm just wondering if there's like a new Yankee workshop museum. Um, Where are they? Are they in Massachusetts? Somewhere in New England. Yeah. Yeah. there's like a museum that you can go to and like walk around. There's like velvet <laughs> ropes and stuff. You like they could just make that tools. They could just make that the museum. I, I would yeah, pay money to go in that place and look around. Seriously, get get your selfies at the uh, right? inside Norm shop in front of the big, you know, in front of the big um, uh, what's that thing called? Drum sander. Yeah. 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 Someone did point out. Nailer. Someone pointed out that that is missing, though. So at some what? at some point they may have sold that. I mean, I, I, if you're not really using right. it, do you really want a time saver sitting there that you could get Is some money for? Maybe right. could have been on loan. That's true. It could have been a loaner. Who and knows I think how Matt's that, idea yeah. is more iconic. Get a picture with a Brad Miller. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or, or or get to like you know like 
wrote right on a piece of officially sanctioned New Yankee Workshop note paper that says, <laughs> you know, Matt was here and Brad nail it to the wall. Yeah. 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 You know, like also most places have you put a thumb pin, like a tack on the map, you know, where you're from. Just yeah. Use a Brad nail. <laughs> well, they also had the, um, the classic New Yankee Workshop sign, which used to live outside, at least for like the opening mm-hmm. shots is now in the doorway. So as you slide the barn door open, it's hanging in the doorway, which also kind of implies that people don't go through there that often because <laughs> otherwise you would have to you know, navigate around a sign that's hanging in your way. But either way, it's cool. You guys got to go check it out if you have any sort of memories of that uh, show or you grew up on that show. Uh, it's, it's quite nostalgic to see now that it's, uh, you know, the show's been uh, off the air for so long. Okay, what's on the bench? I finished a dining table only to start redoing an old dining table. Is it an outdoor cedar table? No. Because that'd be funny. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't I already done that? That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that, that, I think I've done that a couple times. No. It's that, it's that time again. It's it been is. a little while. Right? It's time to refinish the cedar table thing yeah, outside. Right. No, that thing was already <laughs> repurposed into another thing. But what I should do is take the smaller coffee table I made with it and now turn that yes. into like a serving tray. Like it just keeps getting smaller <laughs> and smaller each time. <laughs> I did that with a pair of Adirondack chairs. I took a, a, a picnic table and now there are two chairs sitting out in front of the house. Um, <laughs> just, you know, I'll work that into one chair and then, you know, eventually into a stool and then a serving tray. Yeah, yeah just over the years. What will be curious is like if you do a video every time you refinish the cedar table, what the views look like. Like if they get better, like, oh man, you should do more content like this. We'll get no. lots of comments like that. <laughs> My views don't get better. It just, we're, we're, we do what we do and it's fine. <laughs> Nothing I can do except it's for, fine. it's ever like foreclosure or I lost a sponsor. Like it's, it's all about drama these days. It's the only thing that gets views. <laughs> Stupid. Miter gauge shootout yeah, thing. Gotta be dramatic. Uh, but yeah, so this, this old dining table, it's not that old. It's actually the dining table I made for. Uh, Jason, um, my brother-in-law. So they brought the dining table back here. Now they have a smaller house. And this was previously, it was like a dining room dining table. Uh, but in the new house, this has become the daily use table. So any of the, you know, busy life with two little kids and a family sort of things that, that expose the weaknesses of a particular design in terms of either trip hazards or knee banging, um, that's, that's what we found out is that, uh, my sister-in-law is not happy with how many times she's hit her knee on the top of the leg because of the way they kind of squeeze in on one side together. So we decided to like, th- that's the funny thing about this. Like I, they were like, oh, you're not, I suggested this to them and they're like, no, no, we can't do that. We can't change the table. I'm like, why can't we <laughs> like, what, who cares? <laughs> like, it doesn't matter to me if we can reuse some of the parts better yet. Let's see if we can make this thing more functional. I don't know if it's going to look as good, but let's try it. So uh, we basically uh, got a recip saw and took the rails off and re- repositioned the legs. But I had to grab one new piece of walnut to make two new long rails. The old long rails were cut down to make new short rails and the legs were repurposed. So I didn't actually have to add much material. The top is fine. So the top is just getting refinished. Um, so, yeah, it was actually kind of a fun little problem solving project, but in the end, it's still a functional table. They're going to be a lot happier with it now. And to me, that's worth it. The old design, you know, what do I care? I got the video. It's fine. <laughs> Not that attached to it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what's going on with me. Uh, Shannon, nice. you're doing boring oh, stuff. Yeah. Boring stuff. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I see. Running a business or something? <laughs> my my December has been characterized by a website redesign. It's been coming for a while, and I kind of had a dev site up for like the last five months, just kind of toying with ideas and playing with stuff. And I finally established what I needed to do, and then it became just a whole lot of data migration. And you know, I'm changing the. Ent- I'm going back to the studs, a whole new tech stack on the thing. So there's a. And it's different enough that unfortunately, like the the data export from the live site, it it looks nothing like what needs to be imported. Mm-hmm. So I've got I've got a fair amount of like VBA, like Excel programming chops, but there's just I I'm sure there's a way to to batch to program uh, some of the data transformation. But by the time I figure that out, if I just like suck it up, I'll get it done. So yeah, like right. you know, it started with like I don't know. 700,000 rows or something. And I was able to kind of do simple find and replace. And that was, you know, culled down. So now I'm down to like the last 600 rows. And I just can't think of any way but to go through row by row and do like a copy and paste Uh, type thing. Yeah. Because I've got, I've got to like associate subscription numbers with transaction numbers. And it's just, yeah, it's, it's great fun. Sounds like a job for John Funk. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he has done I'm, that I'm so sure. many times with our changes. We'll make like that uh, broad change that needs to just have some little thing added or a piece of data moved to a different spot. And he just writes these custom scripts that yeah. go through and, and do it all. I mean, it cost me money to do that, but oh yeah, he's, he's yeah, very well, good I mean, at it. <laughs> and, I, and I think that some of it is I've spent a fair enough already on the actual like web design. Yeah. That now that we're just right. down to data migration, it's like, I can do this. And yeah. honestly, I've probably got... All told, like I do it little dribs and drabs. I maybe have three hours into it. So it's not that much. It's just one of those things where you're like, oh my God, I still have 600 rows to do. That's the kind of work Uh, that Matt does after LASIK. I mean, it's no big deal. (laughs) Pretty much, pretty much. But this this reminds me of my my job before I started doing this. I did all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, the good news is, is I'm, I'm thrilled about the site. Like it's, it's got a full on learning management system that it never had before. The, The flexibility, like in the architecture is so much more. I thought my old site, my current site was super, super flexible, but you know, that was six years ago. So yeah. <laughs> a lot has changed. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about what I'm going to be able to do with the school and how I'm going to be able to kind of break out and build skills, learning paths and things like that. So yeah, it's, cool. it's all, it's all good. You just got to like move all those, all those pesky customers and transactions into place, you know, <laughs> <laughs> Why I gotta have so many customers? Uh, oh, it must be so Jeez. tough. Jeez. I know it's rough. All it's those rough. paying so customers. Oh, <laughs> terrible. So yeah, right, unfortunately, Matt. that's the extent of my woodworking. Yeah, it doesn't sound too fun. Nah, I mean, I'm not doing much more than you, than Shannon, because I'm just literally putting a pallet racking and moving crap around in a barn. Yeah, but you're like you're. Well, it's not your shop, but it's kind of your shop. You know, you're like in it. Maybe I should bring the computer down to the shop, like where I am now, and do Excel in the shop. It would make it more fun. <laughs> I don't know if that'll help you. I think it might kill the shop. <laughs> I don't think that would just distract. It doesn't you. count as woodworking. I'm going to get 300 rows done today. Okay. I got distracted for 10. I'm planning a <laughs> board. It doesn't need to be planned. Yeah. It's making yeah. shavings. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's how it would work. That's what would happen to me. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Playing some boards. <laughs> Call it good. Nice. That's been like all I've been doing, just kind of getting things set up and kind of getting that behind me. It's it's been really weird having this like, it's like this like weird mental strain of like I had this whole space that's just got crap everywhere that is not functional yet, that don't really necessarily need to have functional, mm-hmm. but it would be really nice if I didn't think about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, so I've been kind of dedicating my life to getting it to a point where it's at least set up and somewhat organized, 
So it could be functional if I need it to be. Yeah. That's good but though. That gets a weight off your shoulders when you do stuff like that. I mean, I, it's I think weird. everybody I really has that, like, pressing a weight of something like that before. Right. That's what I was just going to say. It's like, everybody's got a little bit of OCD and there's that, like that chaos that's sitting out there in the barn and you're like, you know, it's kind of sight unseen, but at the same time, it's like in the back of your head going, <laughs> I really, you know, I should go clean that up. I should put down like lines on the floor to know where to park the telehandler. We <laughs> <laughs> He knows where to and follow park the path. So if Hyrus can follow it perfectly into this little hole. Just keep going. Hey, and these make ruts. It'll be fine. These are things that you need in order to pass an OSHA inspection. I just, I discovered that last week when, you know, we're, we're about to launch the new mill. So the insurance company sends out the former OSHA agent to like do a mock inspection. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's little things and they, they cut you slack because you realize you're still moving in. But like, you know, the signage for where the eyewash station is and like yeah. the, the, the little hash, like the yellow and black warning hash stuff on the ground to show like we don't walk there. And oh my God, like <laughs> there the is so much stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah, keep OSHA away from the barn, Matt. They, they're not going to be happy. <laughs> I mean, as long as there's no employees out there, I'm good. Yeah, I think you're all right. All right, let's get to some kickback. Uh, you guys occasionally write us uh, with insightful and interesting things, and we like to read it on the show. So I got one here from Brian. He says, I just listened to episode 542 and had a strong gut reaction to Nathan's comment about being depressed about his project until the internet points start piling up. What the crap, Nathan? But also, what the crap to all of us? I know this feeling. I bet a lot of woodworkers that have not become fully actualized content creators do too. I got into woodworking out of the need and curiosity. I remember the days when building a thing that was functional and maybe even a little nice to look at sparked joy. The journey mattered at least as much as the end result. In those days, Pop Woodworking and Mark and Shannon and old Matt were an inspiration. Uh, new Matt wasn't born. Old yet. Matt. Old Matt. young Matt. He was still a baby. He was a baby. Uh, but they were a learning resource. I never saw them as the Joneses with which I needed to keep up. I would have laughed huh. at the idea of buying a domino or building a backyard bandsaw mill. And yet here we are in an area where we all seem compelled to live a life that imitates content. Social media has changed everything. It changed the incentives. It's changed what it means to be a woodworker for a lot of us. It's deferred the satisfaction we're supposed to get from the process and the product to the success or failure of the content that we made along the way. If I had any advice for Nathan, it would be to shut off the phone and let your brain rewire a little bit. Stop comparing your projects to the unrealistic beauty standards of those sexy chairs and cabinets on Instagram. You know they're being enhanced with filters, right? Better yet, stop posting your projects to social media for a while. Learn what it is to appreciate the process and the product without the dopamine hit. If you create something functional and attractive, that thing and the journey that brought it into the world has meaning beyond what strangers think about it. I'm I'm glad social media has been a big part of the success of folks that I admire, like the Wood Talk crew, but for the rest of us, it's been unhealthy, and I sort of wish it would die in a fire. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, I'm not going to disagree <laughs> with Brian on that one. Um, and now I, I bid you goodbye so I can go post a shitty spoon I carved and at mention <laughs> and of all trades and hashtag the crap out of it for internet points. <laughs> ah, wow. God, I'm depressed now. That's, I mean, there's a lot that of that that I identify brilliantly with. put. <laughs> it's yes. Rabid. Oh, yes. It's, a, it's accurate. And even people who are in it don't make the mistake of thinking that everybody who is in it loves being in it. Some of us find yeah. ourselves here, um, you know, compelled to do it because it's part of our, our job now and we have no choice. Um, but it's not something that I, I truly love anymore. 
And I've got lots of problems <laughs> with the way that social media <laughs> uh, makes things happen. Here's an interesting thing, though. Do you guys think if social media hadn't occurred, let's take a step back 15, you know, 16, 17 years ago, woodworking as a hobby, a lot of people were saying it was dying. The magazine subscriptions were tanking. Television shows were no longer interesting enough to keep on the air or didn't have a format that would work for current TV. Uh, and every, you know, club of woodworkers was just filled with like old dudes falling asleep and things have really changed. But I think a lot mm -hmm. of that is a lot of people are a little bit narcissistic and they enjoy the attention and there's a lot of gratification. Like, I don't know how, you know, what kind of depth there is to that gratification, but there is gratification for posting stuff in a community like that and getting the pat on the back. And in some cases, some people, maybe that's all it is. You take that away and they may have lost interest in woodworking a long time ago. Right. So, yeah. I mean, do you, could, would you credit some of the current, um, you know, influx of new woodworkers to this aspect of it, the social media aspect, the attention getting aspect of it? Absolutely. <clears throat> if for no other reason than <clears throat> there might've always been like a latent interest, you know, and then to have yeah. it kind of thrown in your face, it, it sparks that. But more importantly, it's made it more approachable because I think from the outside, woodworking is very daunting, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's power tool or yeah. hand tool, there's lots of tools. You need a big space to do it. You know, Norm Abrams taught us that, right? You need a big yeah. space with lots of big tools in order to do it. And the skills seem beyond reach because the current, the previous format, the 22 and a half minute show, you know, where you built an entire piece of furniture, nobody like I love Roy Underhill, but I could not build a single thing that he built following his instructions. <laughs> you just yeah. can't do it in 22 minutes. It's just not possible. Yeah. So, well, and it also think, wasn't even remotely geared toward the, the fresh face, like the person who just right. got into it. Yeah. So it was yeah. really daunting. So it was like even David Marks, well, actually, especially, especially David Marks, David Marks. Yeah. stuff was so incredible. You yeah. know, you'd watch it for like the, wow, that's cool. But the thought of actually doing that, like, shh, you know, David played up the whole, I'm a master craftsman with decades of experience and that's why I can do this. Not that makes him sound egotistical. David's like the least egotistical person in the world. I think you yeah. can probably yeah. say that. Um, but that I remember watching that show and going, my God, like there's no way I'm going to attempt that. And I think mm -hmm. social media, sorry for the buzzword, has democratized the whole thing and made it so much more approachable. So there's people jumping in and building stuff. Um, that they would have never tried before. Um, and to go with Mark's point, I think the industry has responded and keyed in on getting more people into the craft and keyed in on beginner woodworkers and developing tools. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say Festool developed the domino for that, but it certainly was a really good move to make mortise and tenon joinery more approachable. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I would love to see a Thanos snap that gets rid of <laughs> social media and watch what the <laughs> population of woodworkers turns into at that point. It'd be I just really want to see interesting. Thanos snap. I think we could do with half the population <laughs> of the planet. But that's uh, Shannon, that's for a different show. Save that yeah. for your show. Absolutely. That's well, the lumber industry update. <laughs> I want half of you to go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least the, at least those six hundred rows I still have to import. Just make them go away. That would be good. Yeah, there you go. I, I think that that's this is. Use. Let's not just pick on woodworking. This is extended to everything. Absolutely. I was just watching a video. Um, of a couple of mountain bikers I follow on YouTube. And one of them decided to go out on the last day of the year and go hunting for um, King of the Mountain points on Strava. Strava is the cycling mm -hmm. social media network while well, running as well. And she's making the point, like while she's basically kicking everyone's butt, you know, going up this hill, like 
none of this is real. Like people post just for the sake of posting that they did a ride or they did a workout. And half the time, like the numbers are are not correct. Like what did, what was it? Brian said, there's filters on those furniture, right? Mm-hmm. It's exactly the same. Like I'll go on to, and, and I find myself like even doing it from time to time. Like I'll go out for a somewhat easy ride, but then I get kind of carried away and I end up going a little bit too fast. And then I go a little bit faster and I get like caught up in peer pressure, but I still mark it as easy ride or recovery ride. <laughs> like, come on, dude. I was like, just you were pushing 300 watts for an hour. That was not a recovery you ride. But I still label it as recovery ride. I'm like, yeah. you, you're so full of it, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. But there's this, there's this pressure. There's all these people posting all the time, whether it's knitting or woodworking or, or cycling. Yeah. It's, it's kind of sick. <laughs> That's the best way I could put it. But it's weird. Cause it's a catch 22. Like it has like spawned a whole new, like you said, the market has adjusted to beginners. There's more competition. There's new products. A company like woodpeckers wouldn't survive if it wasn't for new woodworkers who had money. Um, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it just wouldn't work. Um, but here we are getting innovation now that's it, it, for better or for worse. I don't know because there's a lot of bad that comes with it, but there's also a lot of good that comes with it. And yeah. it feels good to be part of a community that's alive and well with a lot of energy that actually has its own conferences instead of a conference or not a conference, but a woodworking show that can't survive because no one wants to go to it anymore. Right. Which is what yeah. we were dealing with 10 years ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, I see all of his points, but. I think it's still a net gain. I mean, there's a lot of negative. I agree. And I think, I think we're, so. we're getting to that point where it's, it's you know, the pendulum is swinging so far one way that it's kind of all bad now. Um, but yeah, like you said, if we go back 15 years, woodworking was solitary. Um, yeah. You know, it, you'd go in your shop and you'd work on a bunch of stuff and it's probably, you know, no one really ever saw it. Yeah. Um, in a forum is the best you could do. Take a picture and put it up in a forum. Yeah, that wasn't easy either. No, there, yeah, I still have some form software I can't figure out how to upload a photo to. <laughs> but now there's at least like the way I see it, there's at least a chance of exposure to a young person coming in who may have never otherwise seen this stuff. I mean, someone may run across a woodworking video on on TikTok, you know, whatever new platform is there, they get exposed yeah. to this and they might not have otherwise. And, you know, yes, there's a lot of BS that comes with this stuff, too. But there could also be the next great woodworker that comes out of that who wouldn't have um seen that inspiration if they weren't on that platform. So anyway, enough time on that. Uh, Matt, you want to grab the next one? All right. It's from Dave. If anyone is looking to do woodworking and doesn't have a space, there's people out there giving away campers <laughs> that you can get out and turn into a wood shop. I got a 31 foot camper given to me and I do all of my woodworking in That's it. That's wild. Interesting. Right can I get a camper just to use as a camper though? <laughs> probably i don't know no you have to do woodworking in it <laughs> okay so uh, get a hatchet cool. and chop firewood you know there you go got the whole thing yeah that sounds cool though very cool all right um i guess if you get a camper and you need to build up your shop inside that camper you know who you go for uh go to for that good stuff mm, you've done better mm. that was yeah that's not as good that was reaching it's a bit of a stretch nicole's not, not feeling good. well i had to make eggs you got for another everybody. one for us Try again. We'll give you what we do on that. Uh, one. You know who else likes to outfit campers? No. <laughs> Stuck on the camper thing. <laughs> it's, the, it's the last thing we talked about. How about giving things away. You know who else gives things away? You know who else doesn't? You know who doesn't give anything do the away? the giveaway thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. They do give away stuff. They also give away a lot of information. There you go. See? <clears throat> yeah. You want to start from the top again? Look, or you, you guys take it from here. You guys ruined it. You ruined it. It's over. <laughs> I'm not even into it anymore. 
All right. I'm not even into it. <laughs> I'm not doing it. <laughs> All right. Build your dream shop with the help of Rockler and <clears throat> me clearing my throat. Uh, and put it in a camper. You could if you wanted to. Whether you're planning to build your first <laughs> workshop in a camper or you're looking for ideas to improve your existing workshop that may or may not be in a camper, Rockler's Build Up Your Shop Guide has you covered. It's a collection of more than 50 articles, videos, and free project plans that will help you make the most out of your woodworking shop space. Find the guide online at rockler.com. It's good stuff. You can go around and visit all the stores in your camper. Oh, yeah. No results for camper on rockler.com. Bummer. Well, there's an opportunity for you guys. Get on it, Rockler. <laughs> no no teardrop yes. plans. None of that. Come on. Wow. Well, that actually surprises me. What, the teardrop thing? That they don't have that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Or something for teardrop. Yeah, those are popular. All right. Well, let's get you know, to some speaking questions. Speaking of, of, of Rockler, I don't know if this falls into a mid-roll, but uh, since since I know that uh, every now and then they listen, um, we got an email saying that that wood talk code's not working okay. anymore. Hmm. I just used it the other day. All right. So it was a, it was a, it was a, yeah. May have been like a <laughs> temporary thing. Points. Yeah. I had to get a clamp and Rockler had the, the best price and I didn't want to pay um, shipping. So I just used the code. <clears throat> it worked just fine. <laughs> so okay. It works for the three of us. Just not you guys. That's how I handle all guild challenges. Like I can't get the video to play and I'm like, well, it works for me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's my extent of my troubleshooting. Uh, <clears throat> it's not true at all. Okay. Nathan has a question. <laughs> Where is it? Uh, okay. He says, I've been on the fence for a long time about giving Rubio Monaco to try. James from Wood by Wright recently posted a video, which almost made me pull the trigger. Then I saw an Instagram post from Mark saying that Jason wasn't happy with it. He's referring to the <laughs> table is, we're redoing. Underscoring our kickback perfectly, right? Now. Isn't it though? Uh-huh. So what gives? I was looking for an easy finish that I'm current I'm currently using match general finishes regime, which I'm happy with, except for is it a regime or would that be a regiment? What is that the right word? Regime? Recipe. Regime? Yeah. Regime Maybe? is kind of a, that's, that's really a regimen would be. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's what I was go. thinking. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, nothing to pick. Um, I'm happy. I mean, I mean, I mean, my finishing process does rule with an iron fist. <laughs> I was thinking of so Cremona's, yes. Cremona's regime in general is something we could talk about. Um <laughs> He says he's happy with it mostly, except for the insane 24-hour cure time between coats. I'm a hobbyist woodworker building just for myself and just want an easy, durable, and fast finish. So, so wait, first, 24 what, hours between Matt, coats. what is your, what is, are we talking about you, Matt, or is there another Matt we're talking about here? No, this is What Cremona. is the general finishes regimen? The same one everyone else uses that Matt just made a video yeah. about. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Like, has Matt invented my another in finish? video and then it became a thing. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the same one so, I made in a video and charged money for it and put it on a DVD. Yes. Right. I bought that DVD. He learned it and then he and put then it on YouTube. And a few years later, after, after a time went by, I repurposed <laughs> is, it into my own thing. Which, to be fair, Mark, is the one that you stole from David Marks, but yours isn't <laughs> it tongue is. oil. <laughs> yeah, but he, he used tongue oil. I turned it into varnish. So it's all different. I, I got to go find that. I got that here somewhere. <laughs> I got all the original Marks stuff. Oh, the original from DVD. back in the day. That thing's a classic. Yeah, I, I got, think I've got I a got classic logo. I've got the DVDs. Logo. I've got great. the pencils. It's got, that's the one that got has. the original t-shirt with the Festool logo on it. That's the one that has. As Nicole cutting in uh, and doing like the informa- information segments that she was really <laughs> uncomfortable with. I mean, like green screen the background. It's good stuff. Yeah. It's just as an aside, it's just so funny that you used to live like you live in a world where you would actually like make DVDs. <laughs> yeah, that was called a world that existed 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's uh, anyway. I can't even fathom the idea not of that like long actually ago. producing like a DVD that I then had to. Oh, like I can't fathom it either. Produce. How about this, Matt? Artwork How about this? Covers? Not only not only did we produce them, but I bought a box that basically was like a standalone PC. Um, uh, you know, just like a very dumb PC like, that was a duplicator with the copy tower. Uh huh. And that's how yeah, we made them. Those, yeah. And I, I, I would get like I, six or I I'd get six or seven of those babies at once, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's like the wow. 15 year ago equivalent of, of uh, Shannon copying, uh, copy and pasting code line by line. Yeah, um, and you had like a much. labeler machine to put the label on. Yeah, we the did. Top we printed our own labels. It yeah, it was yeah. it was a whole thing. All right, so there's a couple things to break down here in this question. <laughs> anyway, we have a question that we're trying to answer. <laughs> it's kind of like we were just having a conversation, and the questions just kind of spur us to go on to our next topic. Yeah, <laughs> the show's really about us. It's not it's about what you guys. We, it's yeah. our show. Okay. That's what we wanted to talk about anyway. So thanks, Nathan. Uh, Shannon, you got the next one. No. Um, <laughs> All right, so this I thought you were serious. I'm like Nathan's gonna like Nathan, why don't you leave an iTunes review on how that yeah, way? That'll be helpful. So there's a couple problems with this. This is this is one of the things with Rubio that I'm finding really interesting lately. Have you guys heard of the ceramic finishes? There's a couple companies that are making ceramic top coats for the Rubio stuff, right? And I have, yes. so okay, so for years people have been using Rubio as if it's like the next greatest thing. And it is, it's a, in, in a lot of ways, it's an easy to apply finish. Um, it gets you a very nice close to the wood look, you get some protection out of it. But what Rubio is not is a bulletproof finish. Um, a lot of people would look at a Rubio finished product, uh, average people I'm talking about, like normies, um, not norm followers, but normal people. Uh, they would look at, at a piece finished with Rubio and they would go, well, is there finish on it? Like it doesn't look like it's a finished piece of furniture. This is kind of a new way of doing things, relatively new. Um, so this is kind of what happened with my sister-in-law. She wanted something more durable. They've got two little ones who uh, beat the hell out of that top. And Rubio was the kind of finish that I try to explain to people. Like if you know you're going to get something that's going to get beat up and you're going to have to retreat it and you want to keep it looking good, Rubio is a good choice because you could spot sand and then reapply. You're not putting a big thick layer on it. So it's repairability is through the roof. It's great, but it is not a super protective finish. And somehow along the way, I guess because Rubio came from the flooring industry, you always got this, well, they use it on floors. And it's like, well, yeah, they do. But have you seen one of those floors? A lot of people would look at a Rubio treated floor, again, normal people, and would go like, is there a finish on there? Because it is a very like matte looking finish. And ultimately, you're getting a lot of water and liquid. Um, you know, it's basically not going to absorb anything. So it does do that. But you're not putting a layer on top of the wood. You're just counting on the wood to do its dent and scratch resistance and things like that. So there's a misconception about what Rubio is and what it can do. I'm also reading through some of this and going, um, <clears throat> this like you had the same reaction, Matt, this insane 24 hour cure time. There's nothing insane about 24 hour cure. That's pretty standard yeah. if you are familiar with classic finishes and there's nothing wrong with that. But we've gotten to this point where it's like, gotta be fast, gotta be now. So let me, let me step back though. We're talking about Rubio. And a lot of people are using it on big tables and this is supposed to be, you know, we're under this illusion that it's a super highly protective finish. 
Uh, and it's also supposed to be simple, right? So now there's another product that we could add on top of it that's a ceramic coating. Well, if it was that good in the first place, why the hell are we putting something else on top of it, right? Because it's not as good as people seem to want to think it is. Um, the ceramic may give you more protection. It's going to probably give you a little bit more of a sheen. All of the things that classic finishes already do. So my question is, why are we doing all this? Think about the amount of money you spend on Rubio. <laughs> and then you go get, uh, I know there's two brands I know of, I think Black Forest Company and Carbon Method are two that make the ceramic. And then you got to buy their product and put that on top. Now you're basically going to have a like three to four day application process, a significant amount of money just to get a finish that's probably still going to be inferior to conversion varnish or pre-cat lacquer, or maybe even just a classic lacquer finish. Um, so I guess that's the thing. I just, I don't, we're getting so far down this rabbit hole and people are acting like finishes didn't exist before 10 years ago and we don't have other options. Um, if this doesn't sound right to you, Nathan, go back to a finishing book from Flexner or Jewett and look at classic finishes and see what these finishes do. There probably is one that's been on a can for 20 years or been in a can for 20 years uh, that would work for you. And you're talking about Matt's general finishes regimen. That's fantastic. Don't worry about the insane cure time. It's not insane at all. But if it's giving you the finish you want with the durability protection level, the sheen that you're looking for, it's a great finish. That's why we all used to use it. I personally have gravitated toward Rubio Monaco and other, you know, generally safer finishes for my own personal reasons. I don't think they're better than the finishes I used to use. I think they just have fewer VOCs and fewer chemicals that I'm exposing myself to on a daily basis. So it's a personal decision to do that. Um, it's not because I think Rubio is so much more durable. Um, so I don't know that, that would be my advice to him. You guys have anything to add to that? Hmm. No, I think you got it. It's a weird world, I, right? This is again, back yeah. to the, the influencer thing. The way I see this went down, finishing is hard. And it, you know, Matt did a video just, we're talking about wiping varnish. That's the easiest of those finishes in most cases. And that's why we all kind of gravitated toward it, but it still yeah. necessitated a terribly made DVD <laughs> when I did it. <laughs> it necessitated Matt making an entire video of each of those steps. I got to find my DVD player and pull that thing Please out do. and find that DVD <laughs> and, and get a video of you watching it. That'd be great. Uh, it's actually a video. If you want to see the video, it's in the guild. If you don't have access to it, I'll give you access. It's a, uh, it's quite a delight. What where's the fun in that? <laughs> Yeah, it's all digital. It was digital before I, too. But I have it on my Plex server. If you want me to pull it up now, we can Ooh. watch it just for the rest of the show. Just, <laughs> just in case. You never know. Uh, but anyway, I, I really think that finishing is an art form and it was extremely complex. There's a reason why people um, uh, like, what's his name? Who's better than me? Um, Tommy Mack. <laughs> Ain't nobody uh, better than me. going back a bit. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a reason why Tommy Mack would make his stuff and he would send it out to a finisher <laughs> right. to get oh, finished. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. finishing is an art form. And I think what Rubio did was it taught a lot of people that you don't need to spend as much time on the finish as you do on learning woodworking because it can be easy. And it was that easiness that allowed people and also the kind of the convergence of that with people making big slab tables. So now let me tell you, if you try to finish a conference table the old way, you better know what the hell you're doing. It is not easy, especially even if you're spraying uh, to, to get a in. surface. Area. Yeah, there's so much surface area, so much room for orange peel and overspray. And then you got to sand it down uh, between coats. 
It is a complex process. No wonder people were craving something that would allow them to finish these big slab tables with uh, just something that has this look that's completely consistent. And it does. When you're done with Rubio, it just looks perfect. It may not be the sheen you want, but it's going to look consistent all the way across. So it, it just made sense. And I think that convergence of this floor finish coming into the woodworking furniture world and the fact that all these newer woodworkers are making these big slab tables without the experience in finishing was just the convergence of, of things that made this turn into a whole new like revolution of finishing that people see in these hard wax oils. But I think it's it's uh, there's going to be a disillusionment happening, and that's why companies are now making ceramic coatings to go on top of them because they were never that durable of a finish to begin with, and uh, people didn't realize. So I don't know. That, that's my thought. That's a really interesting point. I think that I think you really hit it. The giant slab furniture stuff. I think that really even further made this a like necessity. Yeah, I guess, or that it made that product like actually viable because. The people making these big tables, they don't have the space for a spray setup to do that yeah. air quotes properly. They don't have a spray booth. Where Nobody the hell does. are you going to put a spray booth to do like a 16-foot table? Especially when you're starting in your garage. You know, a lot of these right. people yeah. were starting these it's, small businesses. The table is as big as your garage anyway. Like, where are you going <laughs> to spray that thing? <laughs> so right. I can't fit it in my garage. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, well, a, a table is just an elevated floor. So let's just do that. Yeah. When I uh, worked in a refinishing shop in Phoenix, um, one of the projects we had, and we're not building the table, we were just refinishing a conference table and not even that big of a conference table. Um, we spent like a full week dedicated to just getting that finish perfect on top of that thing between the, the coats of lacquer, buffing it out and just getting it to look flawless so that when they put it in a friggin' room with all those fluorescent lights, you know, beaming down on it where you could see every little flaw in the finish, it was going to look perfect. And that was two guys who, who kind of knew what they were doing. It took us a long time to get that finish looking perfect. Um, that's really hard to, to do if you're a newer woodworker who's just trying to break into the, the market with your big slab tables, right? You need something else. So, so, so here's the other question about Rubio, <clears throat> because uh, I, I've seen it used a bunch. I've got a bunch of customers that use it all the time. I personally have never used it. What happens if you recode it? Can you build it? Does it build to make a more durable finish? No. <clears throat> so Rubio, basically the idea is it bonds with no. the raw wood fibers. <laughs> and once they are bound, there's really, it doesn't accept more. Adding more Rubio, you can add a second coat and it will bring the sheen up a hair. You could use their mm -hmm. universal maintenance oil. That'll bring the sheen up a hair. Um, but you're not really going to build a finish. You'll you'll only get like a sticky mess if you try to to keep going with it. So what well, would you call it? How would you often? classify monocoat? Is it a varnish? Is it a really dilute varnish? I mean, what what's binding to the fibers? It's a oil. And that's one okay. of the things why even these days I don't use Rubio very much anymore. Again, I'm just going through a phase, guys, where I, I don't want like unknown materials touching my skin and, and, and my body. It wasn't a phase, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. It's, uh, it, it's got stuff in it. In especially in that um, it's a two-part mixture, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. there's a hardener that you add to it and right. finding out exactly what the chemical composition of that stuff is. I know it's no VOC. That's great. That right. doesn't mean that it's like something I want to drink. Um, <laughs> so I'm still cautious. I'm still cautious around it, but I do feel it's still way better for you and safer than a lot of the like 
um, I forget, like 500 grams per liter uh, VOC that you'll find in something like a traditional wiping varnish. So it is still better in that sense. But like what exactly it is and why it works so well, the chemistry of it, I don't 100% know. Because the thing is, uh, you just do a coat or two of Rubio and compare that to a classic oil wax finish. It's really no comparison. Like you might be able to get a classic oil wax finish to look like a Rubio uh, version, maybe after like five coats and a lot of work, but it's still not going to look quite as consistent on the surface um, as Rubio does. And, and there's other companies. Osmo is doing things like this as well. Um, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but it does work. It is better. Uh, but you just get there in one or two coats instead of like five, six, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because it is definitely moving that direction. I've had a couple of manufacturers visit me recently with, you know, on the on the commercial industrial side, it is all about speed. You know, you're applying it on a single coat through a spray machine, yeah, but more yeah. importantly, fast dry. And there's a, a product uh, called QTech that started in the decking world and they've started to expand a little bit beyond that to the point where you can spray it and dead stack it. Mm. Like, oh, there really? is no dry wow. time. Um, and because, because of how it penetrates kind of like what you're saying with Rubio, it doesn't sit on the surface. It, it actually gets sucked into the wood, like mm. capillary action into the wood and it dries in the wood. So you spray it on or run it through a finishing machine and pull it off the machine and drop it dead right onto the stack above it. And there's no, wow. like it, it defies all understanding. That seems very weird. That's crazy. Right? It just, it makes my stomach turn thinking, what are you doing here? And <laughs> yeah, shouldn't be able works. to do that. It's yeah, it's really weird. So we're going to kind of that level. And then of course there's a whole UV cure finishes where you want instant cure. There you go. Well, maybe that's, that's a suggestion for Nathan. Um, shoot starts with a V I think. What is the name of that company? That was around, I mean, I'm sure they're still around, but they, they sent me some samples and I tried it and they have a little UV gun that you use and it's instant cure. Then that might be an option for, for Nathan. Um, Solar X, Solarez is one. Darn it. I got a can of it in the other room. I can't remember. Verithane. No, not, not Verithane. (laughs) You Uh, can put a UV on that and see what happens. But that might be something to look into. This is one of those things where like, you know, that old saying, I can't remember exactly what it is, but like you could either have it fast you could either have it done well or like, but, but you can only pick two of these things. Yeah. You can never have all three. That's kind of what the world of finishing Best, is. Good or cheap. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's kind of the way uh, finishing is. You mm-hmm. cannot have something that's easy, durable, fast, and healthy for you in the environment. Like those, those <laughs> things, you cannot have them all as far as I'm aware. So, and you know what? Hey guys, write us in. You guys uh, have some suggestions for finishes for Nathan that meet all that criteria. Let us know. We might be missing something. All right, let's move off All that right. one. Uh, Shannon, you're up. Well, the last question was from Nathan. This one's from Nate. So maybe oh. it's the same guy and he's just trying to fool us. Double dipping. Know. But technically, this is for, for Mark and myself because he says this isn't an industrial equipment question. So who knows if Matt will have an answer. That's all he knows. What industrial equipment do I have? All of it. The, you are there now, Matt. That's that's now your brand. <laughs> Look at that boom so, arm. It's like a professional I don't industrial have a CNC. boom arm. Mark's got a CNC. I don't. Do you have you have you Mark have a has forklift. a CNC. I don't have, I don't have a forklift, Matt, and a telehandler. And a barn. Okay, five for moving things around. All right. I got heavy lifting I, friends. I don't even have the industrial <laughs> saw stop. I just got a regular one. You got there that you planer. Yeah, you're right. That okay. All right. That's my one anyway. thing. 
my one thing. It's my one thing, man. <laughs> Let me have. Right, so I, have. I guess. I guess technically, then I should answer this because Mark, you're disqualified too. So <laughs> Nate <guess>. says, <laughs> I, "I I seem to remember Mark talking about buying and then getting rid of a scrub plane at some point, but I can't yeah. remember the why." Um, I <laughs> am a, a scrub plane. Well, God, the why is because I have a joiner. <laughs> Nate says I am a hybrid woodworker, but I have wanted to flatten some boards wider than my eight-inch joiner without ripping. So, is it worth snagging a scrub plane or just work away with my low angle jack? So, my answer to this is no. It is not worth uh, getting a scrub plane. I actually, as one who uses a scrub plane all the time, I have a Veritas scrub plane, and I joke that the only reason I have it is my mother-in-law bought it for me for a Christmas present. <laughs> I think I think buying a new scrub plane is the silliest thing you could ever do. Um, you could buy the most rustiest, Shall's beat accepted. up jack plane, you know, for $2 in an antique store, and you could use that as a scrub plane. Because what a scrub plane does not require is a flat sole or a tight mouth. It just needs a sharp blade <clears throat> and, you know, something to hold it at that angle. So uh, I actually have a video called From Boat Anger to, to Foreplane or Scrub Plane. Because I took, I called Josh Clark at Hyperkit and said, send me the nastiest jack plane you have with like the, the most beat up everything. And I turned it into uh, an effective scrub plane. So I, I do think if what you're trying to do is this hybrid flattening method where maybe you get it flat enough to just run through the planer, um, a, a scrub plane, well, let's just say a, a plane can knock down those high spots really, really quickly. Um, a heavier set plane is going to do that super quickly. You're not worried about tear out or any of that crap. So if you already have a jack plane, just increase the depth of cut and do it that way. Um, don't be taking full width, full length passes. Just find the the spots that are making that rock on your planer bed or making that, you know, it uh, exhibit twist or something. Knock those down and run it through the planer. You don't really need anything special. What I don't recommend is, is you know, pulling out your smoothing plane with a thousands of an inch cut on it. And that's how I would do, you it. know, very delicately <laughs> removing, you know, Instagram worthy shavings. That Look you're at taking the shaving. pictures out with every pass, <laughs> you know, that's just that. Yeah. So the, the, the only drawback I would say to the Jack is it's a little bit longer. And of course it's going to span those hills and valleys. So if you really want to dedicate a plane to this, don't go buy a scrub plane, mm -hmm. go to an antique store and buy like a number four smoother a short sold plane um back the frog way back sharpen the blade with a curve on it and you're good you're good to go don't even like take the rust off the thing don't flatten the sole don't do any of that crap just you know sharpen the blade and, and go to work so the reason i had a scrub plane was because i won an auction on ebay that i couldn't <laughs> understand why a lee nielsen tool was going for so cheap this was 2005 maybe and uh, i was so excited to get that plane and i got it and i'm like what the hell is this thing and uh, quickly realized this was not the tool for me and sold yeah. it. So yeah, so that even is Mark, why. like I'm the same way. I have one because it was gifted to me and Mark was yeah. the same way. Just, yeah. yeah. So there you go. I'm not going right, to throw it out. I mean, I do use it, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's not it makes taking me up laugh. much room. It makes me laugh every time I pull it out because it's this precision <laughs> ground flat sole yeah. and I'm taking like an eighth of an inch thick shaving off of it. Like, yeah. The hell's the point, you know? <laughs> Blade shaped like a like a teaspoon. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Scoop it out. All right. We got one here from John. Uh, John says, I was one of many woodworkers who bought a bandsaw mill at the start of the pandemic, and my sawmill is capable of producing slabs and lumber up to 22 inches wide. 
Now that some of the slabs that I have milled are getting to the point where they can be dry and workable, I am left to wonder how I process these slabs. I have a six inch long, oh, sorry, a six inch long bed jointer and a 12 inch lunchbox planer. They both have helical heads. What should I do to preserve these wide boards and make milling relatively easy? A 16 inch jointer planer combo, a four by eight router gantry, a 20 inch planer, all of the above. Thanks for the advice. I mean, I think this guy actually ties into the last question, surprisingly. <laughs> it's almost like someone pay attention when they pick questions for this. Whoops. That doesn't happen <laughs> often. That's just sheer dumb so luck. I, I guess the, the, the question I have for this is, that I, do you know what you're making, first of all, and do you actually need yeah. that full width? Because yeah. if you don't, then your first step is to grab your saw and make them narrower or make yeah. them closer to that, uh, that rough size. You know, there's plenty of ways to flatten things that are bigger than your jointer. We talked about the the scrub plane in the last question. Uh, removing the guard and doing the little hangover thing can get you a few more inches. I mean, safely, I've done, I have a 12 and I've done 16 inch wide boards, or actually I've done 20 inch wide boards on that thing. So you can kind of get kind of big and then you use your little, um, I don't know, auxiliary table thing in a planer. I've done videos about that. To, uh, to flatten the other side, and then you can remove that giant rabbit you made on the jointer. That's the one way to get something wider than your jointer flattened, at least. But really, I mean, coming, going back to like the beginning of like, what the heck are you making, and do you actually need that full width? Or are you thinking, like, I can want to be able to flatten these things and sell them? That's a totally different conversation than um, I'm producing a small piece of furniture. Like, if you're making, I'm making a, a sideboard out of a slab probably don't need to flatten a whole giant wide board. You're going to be cutting your parts out of that slab. So I think that's the first question to answer for yourself. And then, yes, you can spend all the money in the world you want and make this a lot more fast and efficient if you want to actually go that route. But really just figure out what the, what the heck are you making with these things? What are you doing? Or you're just like, I just want a big giant stack of slabs that are flat. Cool. Have fun. <laughs> Jeez, Matt. See, I, I think you hit that point, Matt. Well, like say he wants to sell them. You know, and he knows if they were they were S2S or whatever, they would sell for, you know, more of the the non-woodworker market. You know, put some hairpin legs right. on it and be done. Like yep. the reason that Home Depot sells live edge slabs. <laughs> There's air quotes for those that can't see our video right now. Glued <laughs> up live edge slabs, yes. I, I think if that's what you were doing, then you want like something that's going to be really efficient for flattening a lot of slabs because your job now is flattening slabs. You know, you're Correct. not, you're not building yeah. it, but if you're building a side tape or a sideboard and you want to have say a live edge top on it, but it's that one time, are you going to build a dedicated flattening station for that one task? See, I suppose like that's what you're Good. into, but if you're an influencer, you would, <laughs> unless you're, unless oh, you're boy. a bad influencer like me <laughs> and I just suck it and up and like, do the work and I get people in the comments telling me you should build this it would make that much more efficient it's like yeah but the next time i'm going to do this could be 20 years from now so <laughs> yeah do i really want to build a dedicated station for that right yeah i cool. i question though like well i know matt you you generally saw like 10 quarter and thicker right you know it's kind of a nice i like 10 quarter because it's it can be resawn to four quarter right very easily i just feel like you know, even if he just wants to have like a stack of already milled lumber or something, I still feel like you're doing yourself a disservice. Like what happened to the days when we wanted rough sawn lumber? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I remember I remember when when I was getting started, it was like you, it, you had to go to a lumber yard to find rough sawed lumber because that was the ideal because all of the 
the norms and things like that told me we had to have rough sawn lumber. That's when you knew you were a real woodworker. You were starting yeah. with rough sawn lumber. Rough. <laughs> yeah. And it's kind of what's flipped. under it. We've gone the other way where so many lumber yards are now carrying S2S material or at least skip plane material. Um, yep. I still would rather have rough sawn because I feel like I have more potential. You know, um, I, if, if I've S2S it, I've taken thickness off. So I'm already like batting at a disadvantage there. If I decide once I decide what it is I'm going to build with that, you know, if I've removed a quarter of an inch from it. I may have just eliminated something that I could do. Maybe I can't make a, 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 you know, a three by three leg out of it anymore or something. I feel like until you know what you're building, keep that wood as untouched as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Basically what Matt just said. So sorry, I just repeated that. <laughs> that was, that was pretty good. I mean, like if you go back to talking about like a sideboard, the only board gene that's gonna be like that full width is the, just the top. Yeah. Like let's say, let's say you're doing a frame panel. Uh, like the one I did, like you got four legs, four leg blanks. Okay. So that's like square stock. You rip out of that slab. You don't need any width for that. Mm -hmm. And the rest is like panels. So you can do, I don't know, however deep they are, 12 inch panels. So you can do a glue up of a, of a book match. If you have a slab, you can resaw it and book match all day long. Yeah. You can get your 12 inch panels that way. So, I mean, when you actually look at the actual piece of the furniture, there's not a whole lot of times you actually need like to flatten that whole damn thing mm -hmm. and have like the thickness too. Like if you're doing, you do like a chest of drawers and you have a 22 inch wide slab for the whole case side and it's 10 quarter, like you're not going to use a 10 quarter slab board for the side of a chest of drawers. I mean, you could, it might be freaking heavy. You never know. <laughs> and then you're probably going to resaw it. You're going to plane it down or something. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I, I think I what know. we're seeing it's, is is an artifact of it's like hobbyist woodworkers are trying to operate like commercial mill workshops. Um, and I, I can remember yeah. like myself, it's like, you know, you're setting up your shop. You want to think about workflow so that, you know, your milling area is over here and the boards flow off the milling area onto the bench. And yeah, if you're doing, you know, a thousand linear feet of something that makes sense. But if you're building a piece of furniture, <laughs> None of that workflow stuff makes I, I want to see sense. a hobbyist go out and buy a straight line ripsaw with a return conveyor. That's what I want to see. <laughs> oh, you've it's probably you've manifested happening. it now. It's going to happen. It's probably already happening. No one needs to do that. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I think that's good for us. I think we're done here. Is it? You sure? So. Is it good for us? Pretty sure. Because uh, <laughs> it, was, it was good for them. <laughs> you hope. I'm not so sure. Uh, family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finish, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler is everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com. Use the code WOODTALK, all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Right on. Exciting. Well, we've posed some interesting questions and I want some feedback on this. Most importantly, if your shop were to be immortalized as a museum, where would you place the velvet rope? <laughs> and what would you charge for admission? Um, we want to know these things. <laughs> Absolutely. Please write in. Go to go to woodtalkshow.com. You can fill out the form there or just email us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. You can even record a voicemail. If you want to shoot a video of your shop tour, we probably won't put it on the show, but do it anyway. It'll be fun. Everyone will enjoy it. Mm -hmm. That's okay. it. All right. Go. 
Go well, forth. thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, we will catch you next time. We appreciate you. We love you all. Bye. 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 Enjoy <laughs> watching our video of us just sitting here talking to each other. Yeah, well, you're assuming that's going to be a successful venture. We don't even know if this worked. That's why I said at the end. <laughs> <laughs>